The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. Imagine growing a business with high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, and wildly happy customers. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. We want to continue to make this podcast better, and we need your help to do it. We created a short survey that'll help us to get to know you better, and we want to hear from you. This is your chance to make sure that we are creating content that speaks to your unique needs. There's a link in the description below. Now let's get to the episode. Hello, my friend, and welcome to another episode of Negotiate Anything. Thanks for spending time with us today. It's listeners like you in 181 different countries that have made Negotiate Anything the most popular negotiation and conflict resolution podcast in the world. I'm your host, Kwame Christian. I'm a business lawyer, mediator, professor, and the director of the American Negotiation Institute. Before we get started, I have two quick questions for you. Is negotiation a critical part of what you do? Do you need to resolve conflict and persuade at work? If you answered yes to both of those questions, visit our website to learn more about our negotiation workshops. We've traveled the country working with professionals just like you, and we'd love to have the opportunity to work with you too. Check out the link in the description to learn more. Ron, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Kwame. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's my pleasure, man. So how about you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Okay. Uh, my name is Ron Hogan. I am a project manager and a partner at Barron Construction and Remodeling. We are a construction company focusing on residential remodels in uh, the Bay Area, so Bay Area of California, um, Silicon Valley area, and then we also have an office in Los Angeles. Fantastic. And hey, listeners, I know you are probably listening on the podcast, but if you have a chance, you got to check out the YouTube when we post this episode because, yes, Ron is in construction, but he is a former rock star and he, <laughs> <laughs> he looks a lot cooler than me today. <laughs> I don't look like maybe your typical general contractor nowadays. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, cool. So today we're going to talk about negotiating big ticket items. And so you're coming from the construction world, but I think there are a lot of gems that we can use to apply to the business world in general. And so when it comes to negotiating bigger items, bigger deals, why is it so important for us to understand how to do this effectively? So I, you know, there's a lot of things that go into the negotiation, especially in construction. Um, so, you know, you're up against a lot when you're sitting across from somebody and, and uh, to sort of generalize to big ticket items when a person is, you know, a homeowner sitting across from you and is thinking about doing, you know, a $100,000, $200,000, $500,000, million dollar construction project. It's a ton of money that's going in. Um, obviously it's most likely their most expensive asset. It's most likely the thing that they're going to, uh, the thing that they've spent the most money on in their lives. And so they're, they're just, there's a lot of mental blocks that goes into that. And there's a lot that you're up against because, you know, for me, for instance, I'm doing this every single day. So it's not that big of a deal for me, but for the person sitting across from me, they, they may be doing this once in their entire lives. And so they've, there's just so much information that they have. There's so much information that they don't know. And there's so many things you're really working to get through those blockades with them rather than trying to, that's really what you're, what you're up against. Those are the emotional stressors that people are talking to you about rather than just, you know, what's a kitchen, what's a remodel, what's, you know, what's a bathroom remodel. Um, and that's really the, the important part in negotiation is really trying to understand what they're, what they're up against, what their fears are and how to get through that and to find common ground with that person. 
Love it. Yeah, man, this is great. And so the, the three things that we're going to focus on in today's episode are first, overcoming those emotional distractions that you just addressed. Um, talking about the biggest mistake that people can make when it comes to having these high level negotiations. And then lastly, we're going to wrap it up with how you can build rapport in these stressful situations. So let's start off with overcoming emotional distractions. What are the things we need to know about there? Um, so a couple of things that I like to say to people, especially people that are sort of like new to this industry or to new to our company or sort of trying starting off is that um, there's a couple things to take into consideration. So first of all, I like to always say to never assume the intention of the other persons of the other party, right? So a lot of times we get conversations with people where, where they are asking for things that are somewhat illogical or they don't seem logical to us. So obviously as the prof professional you always want to have a chance to be able to, to give your insight, give your input, but you have to know kind of like when those things are important and when those things are relevant to say, because a lot of times, you know, homeowners tell me this all the time that every other contractor that they've seen has tried to like force some idea down their throat, whether that's, you know, oh, that's not a good layout. That's not how you should be doing it. You should be building more. You should be building less, whatever it may be. Um, it's really important to listen. And actually I learned that from you, Kwame, from listening to your show over and over again is, uh, you know, one of the things that I've heard you say in the past is the 70, 30 rule, right? So it's 30% listening, 70% talking. Um, and that's something that's really important. It was a really important lesson for me because so often you're, you're in the seat of the professional, you're trying to sort of show how much, you know, right. And you're trying to show how good you are. Um, but really that can come at a cost. And a lot of times if you spend a little bit more time listening, you get more of a chance to kind of understand what the person's needs are. Um, and oftentimes that can really flip the script for you and really kind of give you a different um, sense of what it was that you, you know, what it was that, that they wanted in the first place or what the negotiation negotiation might have been. Um, the other thing to keep in mind was um, the other thing to keep in mind is to like something that I always tell people is to just keep your to try and provide the most value for the person sitting across from you rather than trying to sell or rather than trying to focus on on you know really getting a contract or getting a new job or whatever it may be um a lesson that took me some time to learn and something that i was taught and that was really helpful was to just in the conversation solely 100 percent focus on what value you can bring to the person sitting across from mm. you how do you help them understand the construction process better um and when the focus shifts that's when common ground and negotiation starts to get really good because then they see you as a valuable asset. And when you become a valuable asset, that makes you invaluable to the process of construction. I've learned that over and over and over again. Yeah, this is great. And it's so funny because we, we framed this first um, part of the podcast interview as overcoming emotional distractions. But what we're recognizing is that we shouldn't just focus on their emotional distractions, their fear, those type of things, but our right. own emotional distractions yep. too, because 100%. arrogance is an emotional distraction, right? Because we say, 100%. okay, I know everything. They, these are newbies. Okay. Let me educate them. Let me tell them. And the, 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 the phrase that you used that I thought was great. How can I help them to understand right? Yes. It's a collaborative thing. Even the learning aspect of the interaction is collaborative. And I think just that mental shift really helps in your approach. That's a really good segue to my favorite line that I don't know if I came up with this or not, but I'm going to own it. it. It's yours that. now. <laughs> um, 
But I like to say, and I like to tell people to take 100% responsibility and 0% blame. So before I go on with that, did you make that up, Kwame? Did I hear that from you or did I? <laughs> no, you know, it's funny because it, it mirrors something that was from the, the crucial conversations, folks, talking okay. about shame, uh, blame versus contribution. But I love the fact that you're saying you just own 100% of it. Uh, this is great. And so explain to the listeners why that's so important. Okay. So what I like to say is take 100% responsibility and 0% blame. Now this can be generalized like definitely not just the construction negotiations, definitely not to negotiations in general, but it's probably a good life lesson in general, but um, taking 100% responsibility. So like when you are in a negotiation and that negotiation doesn't go through for whatever reason, then you are 100% responsible. As the person that is sitting in your chair, there is a reason you didn't get to a negotiation to a contract with this person. And that's, that's because you, and you need to take responsibility for that. On the other hand of the, of the other side of that is that to take 0% blame. It's not to blame yourself. It's not to say, hey, you know what? I did something wrong and therefore I failed. It's how did I, what could I have done differently in the next negotiation to be able to get a little bit closer to an agreement with that person? What could I have done to give better value to this person? Um, but without blaming yourself for not being able to be successful in that particular case. Um, I think that that goes well with, you know, the arrogance conversation and it goes well with a lot of different things, but it's, it's, it's a part that was really helpful for me to learn at one point because um, you know, as a salesperson or as a person that's doing negotiations, you're, you're generally speaking, you're going to lose 90 to 95% of the time. You're not going to be able to be successful 99, 90 to 95% of the time. So when you're not successful, that doesn't mean that you're not doing anything wrong. It means it's an opportunity to learn, right? Take responsibility for it, but not to take blame for it. Because again, our batting averages are low. Like we're not going to do well all the time and, you know, we're, we're going to strike out. Um, but at the same time, trying to understand where, you know, where your responsibility lies and what you could have done better in the next one. Ron, I love this. This is great. And really, one of the things that I really appreciate about this is the fact that it's a very empowering stance. Because if we just exactly. say, this person is crazy, they, they don't understand, exactly. everything like that, we're abdicating responsibility of change right. to, their, to the other side. So whether or not we're successful is completely in their hands. But what 100%. you're saying here is that, no, this is about, this is, I can look at this, I can be introspective, but not like shame myself for performing poorly, but I can say, listen, I'm going to own my performance. I'm going to look at what I did well. I'm going to try to do more of that. I'm going to look at what I did poorly. I'm going to adjust and I can take full responsibility for the outcome and still be in a, a place where I'm is psychologically well, <laughs> right? It's, it's right. not beating yourself up, but at the same time, you can still feel proactive. Hey, I can do something to make this situation better. Yeah, absolutely. That's the perfect way of putting it. It's like, we're so eager to blame the, the other person, right? We're so eager to say, oh, they, you know, they didn't want to pay what, what, I, what I was offering or they didn't, you know, they didn't like me or they were rude or they were whatever, but it's, it all comes down to us, but it's not our faults. <laughs> right. And this is great. And I, I think it's a very, it's a fascinating Zen type of approach, right? Yes, um, but, uh, and I think it'll take practice to do it. And I think psychologically, it, it's important for us to understand why we do this. Yeah. We, we do that with the, the natural response. The reason we do that is to protect ourselves emotionally. Right. Because if it is my fault, then I could potentially feel bad. Let me just blame them. That feels better. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The ego is a powerful thing. <laughs> it really is. And the thing, yeah. the way that you get control of it is understanding it 
recognizing when it's showing up and then making the necessary adjustments. Yeah. And that's a really good point, you know, saying recognize now we really truly are getting Zen, but making recognition rather than, so don't blame yourself for blaming yourself either. Make a recognition. Okay. I was blaming myself there. We can move past this now. Oh, I like that. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That is great. Hi, I'm Catherine Kanapke, and I'm the Chief Operating Officer here at the American Negotiation Institute. Did you know our company offers completely customizable negotiation workshops? The negotiation and conflict resolution skills that your team will learn from these workshops are beneficial across all professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly, and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. Also, be sure to check out our YouTube, LinkedIn, and Instagram accounts to see our daily negotiation content. Thanks for listening. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the minds of visionaries to the desks of disruptors, I'm Lars Schmidt, host of the Redefining Work podcast. Join me each week as we explore the new world of work through the lens of those shaping it. CEOs, HR leaders, investors, and more. Be a part of the conversation that changes everything. Subscribe to Redefining Work today. And one of the things that we talked about, I think this is a great opportunity to segue to the the next one, um, the biggest mistake that people can make in these interactions. So in your experience, what are the biggest mistakes that you've seen yourself make in the past and you've seen other people make um, when it comes to um, these high level negotiations? Right. So, I mean, I think, I think being over eager to sell is probably the, the overarching, like, biggest mistake that people make, right? And that can kind of go into a lot of different ways. And as I had said prior, you know, really focusing on value, I think, is the way that you kind of combat that. Um, I think that the other thing that, that, that often becomes the case is that, you, you know, you're, when you're too inwardly focused on that negotiation, you're not breeding a healthy relationship with the client. You're not breeding a healthy relationship with the person that's sitting in front of you. Um, and I think that, that in one way or another, it all just comes back to that. It all just comes back to kind of to, to wanting more for yourself than you are wanting for the person that's sitting across from you. And when you put yourself into their shoes, that's when true magic happens. And that's really when the negotiation starts. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, Ron, it, it's hard to do, right? It's, it's right. really hard to do because we say, all right, I'm in the business world. I'm looking, looking at this podcast just so I can close more deals. Well, ooh, ooh, exactly. hold on. let's slow, slow, slow it down a little bit, right? Um, I, I was talking to one of my friends, Chelsea Street. She's um, at Lytics. It's a great company in, in San Diego, actually, in your, your okay, uh, yeah. neck of the woods. Um, and so one of the things that I was talking about is when it comes to closing more deals, one of the things we have to do is make sure that we're closing the right deals. 
that's the first thing because sometimes yeah. the worst thing that could happen is that you close a deal that should never have been closed you know and so when you think about negotiation not in the as the art of deal making but as the art of deal discovery then you can slow down and focus on information gathering and building rapport and building that relationship more so than pressuring somebody because it Absolutely. might not be the right deal that's that brings me to another another a one liner that I'm not sure if I made up or you made up, <laughs> but for for the sake of this conversation, I'll take credit for it once again. Um, I I like to say that anything can be negotiated with enough creativity, and mm-hmm. so if you're asking the right questions, you're always going to be able to get to that. So sometimes that just feels like such a ridiculous thing to say, and you're like you're so far apart from the other person that. You know, I'm telling you it's going to cost you a half a million dollars and you have a hundred thousand dollar budget. Like, how could I ever find common ground with you on something like that? But if you start to understand from the person what it is like first for once, why do they only have, um, you know, a budget that's much less than what it is that you have for them? What is truly the scope? What is truly the goals? So um, the best example that I can give is like uh, oftentimes people tell me that they want to add square footage to their house, right? Their house is 1500 square feet, they want to make it 2000 square feet, right? Which in California is a normal sized house. You know, I know the rest of the country where you live, Kwame, that's probably like a basement, but (laughs) in California, 2000 square feet, that's a big house. Um, But, you know, for instance, they want to go from 1500 square feet to 2000 square feet, right? That's what they want to do. Um, In continuing the conversation with them, and when I start to sort of ask more questions and try to understand why their budget is low, but their scope is big, I understand that really they're, they're, isn't really a need to add square footage. Maybe they just, all they need is a bit of a rearrangement of the walls that are inside the house. Then that makes it a little bit more accommodating to the needs that they need. They have, you know, the mother-in-law is moving in. They need an ensuite for her to live in, whatever it may be. Um, and so again, with enough creativity, with the right questions, I really believe that like anything can be negotiated. So, so just sticking in it, asking more questions. Another thing that that's always important that, um, uh, I learned from one of my sales coaches, Shai Magdish, that's in Los Angeles, is that is, is to really focus on trying to stay in the negotiation longer. So when you're ready to leave the house or the conversation, ask yourself if you can find another 15 minutes to have that conversation, because you never know what you're going to discover in that next um, phase or chapter in the conversation. The other thing that I wanted to, uh, the other thing that I wanted to stick in here before I forget is another big mistake that I see from people is, um, you know, underestimating the power of the follow-up. And the follow-up is such an important piece to a sales negotiation. I always tell the people in, in, in my company, I would not be a good salesperson if it wasn't for follow-ups. I am not that great of a salesperson in conversation with somebody one-on-one. Um, what I'm good at is I'm good at providing value and showing people those things. And then I'm good at following up with people and just sort of staying in the conversation and just seeing when I can continue to have that second or third or fourth conversation. And I think a lot of people, they leave a negotiation, they say, ah, that didn't work out. And that's the end of it. And then six months down the line, a lot of times people just, you know, in conversation, following up with someone, calling them, emailing them, whatever, all of a sudden they're now open to the conversation because new information was presented to them more money came in, whatever it may be. And then all of a sudden um, there's a new opportunity for, for to, to come to common grounds with the person that you're talking to. So um, though that's another really big one that I don't want to understate. And I sort of covered over my last point because it was so important that I had to come back to it. <laughs> no, Ron, this is great. And I, I mean, quick synopsis here, it's curiosity and resilience. 
that's really it, right? So we need to stay yeah, in that mode of curiosity, constantly asking questions, figuring out what people want. And so it, it, in traditional negotiation parlance, we would talk about interest versus positions. A position is what somebody says they want and interest is why they want it. And with those questions that you're asking, you're figuring out why they want it. I want more square feet. Why? Okay, my mother-in-law is going to move in. Okay, well, maybe we could figure out another solution. It might not be square feet. And so that gives you more options. And the thing I always say is that with creativity, you're creating more options. And the more paths to victory you have, the more likely you are to achieve a victory. And then to this, this segues really nicely into your second point, where you're talking about the fact that sometimes we just quit too soon. Right? I mean, it's, it's, it sounds so simple, but it's true. I, I remember I started off the year uh, last year reading the book by David Goggins. And one of the things he says is we need to earn the right to call something impossible. We say it's impossible too early. Oh, wow. And yeah. um, that's what we have to do with our negotiations. Just stay in the game, stay curious and, and good things that's can right. happen. I love that. I love that. hundred yeah. percent. And that, that could be in the middle of the negotiation that could be, you know, six months after the negotiation. And just, I cannot understate that. I, you know, I just have a process. Like I flag my emails. You know, if I have a conversation going with a client, I flag my emails. If it didn't go, I have, I run back through my calendar and go back like one month, two months. I've gone back as far as two years before in a conversation that I haven't heard back from somebody emailed them again, and then opened up another conversation uh, and, and had another conversation. I don't know if I've ever, um, sold a new project from checking in with someone two years later, but I've certainly opened up a new conversation after two years. So I can't understate that enough. That is, or overstate that enough. That's, that's uh, a really important thing to, to, to think about when you're, when you're working on that. And again, probably applies to all sales negotiations, not just construction. Absolutely. I, I was talking to one of our, our bigger clients, um, a Fortune 500 company, and they're talking about multi-million dollar deals, like hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. Deals. And they said with one of our clients, actually, it's one of our best clients or one of our biggest clients. We were courting that client for 12 years, <laughs> 12 years. And now it's one of their biggest clients, but they were building and nurturing the relationship for 12 years. Now, Ron, I will be honest. Um, I don't know if I have that in me, but yeah, right. <laughs> it, it wow. goes to show if you stay in the game, good things can happen. And the yeah. thing is, we, we don't we, we want to do this with class. We want to do it in a way that is respectful, right? And uh, again, I think when you think about negotiation or, or especially sales as the, the art of helping somebody to make a decision, we're not bullying or pushing people or being annoying in that sense, but we can just ping them every six months, just check in, see how they're doing, be a good friend, check in. And if there's something there, it'll happen. If not, then it's okay. But um, again, just, just the simple act of keeping the conversation going, it puts you in a position where you can still make something happen into the future. Yeah. And that's, that's another really good point for like the creativity piece where, you know, I think that, that, you know, enough creativity gets you there where like, like you're saying, it's like, nobody wants that Autobot response of like, Hey, have you made a decision? Hey, have you made a decision? Hey, have you made a decision that that doesn't do you any good, but presenting new information, checking in on things, reading back on the email chain and seeing, you know, what else could have come up. Maybe there was a family event that had occurred. You check in on those things. Maybe you were, they were waiting for the architect to come through. So you look back at the email chain and ask them specifically about that. Um, that shows for one, that you are not just an autoresponder, that two, that you, you do really recall the conversation, that you do have notes, that you did take the time to, to 
to take those notes and to sort of like think back on what the conversation was about. Um, and, and yeah, with enough creativity, you can think of you, there's, there's new ways to present information and be able to check in with them. I also always tell people, even when they, if they move forward with a different general contractor than with us, if they say hired somebody else, they said, Hey, your competition was, you know, 10% cheaper. We went with them. Um, I always, always tell them, feel free to contact us anytime we have jobs in the area. And if you guys need a second opinion on something, because as much as I would love to say that construction always goes perfectly smoothly, we all know <laughs> that it doesn't, um, that if there are things that come up and you do need a second opinion, feel free to call us. I will be happy to have that conversation with you trying to help out in every way. And less people have taken me up on that than I thought would. Um, but the few people that have, like, I've really, you know, we helped them out, gave them converse, you know, gave them tips to, to, to discuss with the contractor. I never throw anybody under the bus, obviously, that doesn't do anybody any good. But it, for one, gives them the opportunity to see that, first of all, we're truly there, we're truly there to help. And, you know, we like what we do. And, and additionally, you know, you never know, maybe that will some at some point, turn into a referral to a different client or, or whatever it may be. But, but that's another place in which you can add value and, and really doesn't take any of your time. You know what I mean? How, how hard is it to answer a few emails here and there? So, um, you know, to keep that conversation going is, is important and, and, you know, find creative ways in order to be able to, uh, to give good responses. I love it. Well, great. Well, let's wrap this up with the third point, which is building rapport in stressful situations. And now we all talk about building rapport, right? I mean, that's something that's pretty standard right now. But here's the thing. Well, we're in the middle of a pandemic. That's pretty stressful. And then when you're in a situation where the, the person on the other side is going through one of the most important negotiations of their lives, that's a high stress situation for them. So how have you been able to build rapport um, despite those potential barriers? So I think there's a, there's a lot of things there. I mean, for one, just sort of, you know, having like having a little bit of empathy, right. Sort of understanding where they're coming from and sort of not trying to impose your own intentions on the person that's sitting across from you and sort of, um, I think again, comes back to asking really good questions and trying to understand what really their resistances are. Um, and, you know, um, I think that it's, I think that that, especially in that particular moment where somebody is like close to making some sort of decision, but they are, they're, they're really starting to feel that anxiousness of like, wow, I'm actually doing this. I'm actually pulling the trigger. I'm actually putting money down. Um, when you ask the good questions and when you ask the right questions, you really start to understand where those anxieties are coming from. Um, I think that also just there's some like very basic kind of like general things for doing rapport with people and just sort of like matching them where they are if they're like, you know, if, if they're very anxious and you're very like calm and serene, that may be unsettling for that person. So sort of like yeah. just kind of like matching their energy and where they're at. Um, that's a little bit more pragmatic, but I think that generally speaking, especially in that situation, just, just really having some empathy and trying to understand where they're coming from because they are you're just kind of doing your job and they're sitting there making you know, their, their biggest decision of their lives possibly, or one of them. Um, and, you know, just having an understanding about that and, and trying to really understand where they're coming from is, is going to be really important in that, especially in that sort of like closed situation when you're in the last, you know, the last like 10% of that conversation, it's, it's really important right there. Absolutely. And I, I like what you said about the energy, matching energy, because we've talked about empathy a lot on the show, but we haven't addressed that concept of mirroring. And so mirroring, not in terms of the negotiation style mirroring that Chris Voss talks about, sure. mirroring in the classic, um, just uh, 
sales building rapport type of thing where we're matching body language, we're matching energy and everything like that. Now, for you, you gave the example of if somebody is really kind of anxious about this and you're too chill, it might not show the the requisite amount of respect for them in that situation. They'll sure. be like, this guy That's doesn't even care, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And then on the other side, what do you do if that n- n- potentially negative energy that they're providing is more on the um it's it's more outward focus like they might be angry or upset or anything like that how do you match the energy without perpetuating the negativity that's a really really good question um i've dealt with this uh i've dealt with this several times before and and actually will reference chris voss interesting enough that you say that for those of you who don't know chris voss is a famous uh he's got a master class and he was a famous hostage negotiator um, for years and years, and he does some training as far as he's got a group called the Black Swan Group, and he does uh, he does some 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 uh, some master classes and things along those lines. But um, he uses a really interesting. Te- he says something interesting. That he says to use the FM, the late night FM DJ voice. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, Kong? you're right. I, yeah. Okay. So and and it's just sort of about like kind of taking a step back and sort of like using uh, you know uh, you kind of. I guess chilling yourself out a little bit and sort of bringing your voice level down and sort of being as calm and serene as possible. I think the other important piece to that would be to say, to go back to a sense of professionalism in that particular um, situation is to, to kind of go back to, to, to becoming the professional in that conversation. Um, I, in that point would not be mirroring them or I would not be sort of like, like, uh, um, I guess, indulging or sort of encouraging that kind of conversation or behavior. Yes, it does happen. People get upset. You know, you give them a price that's way outside of their price range. Um, and then just kind of going back to, to, to talking about the basics and just sort of going back to, to your own professional opinion about what it is that you're talking about in this conversation. So they may not be excited about something that it is that you just said. Maybe it's the price. Maybe it's the permitting process. Maybe it's how long the project is going to take or whatever. Um, but going back to being the professional and just sort of touching on the points of why those things are the case will give that person a little bit more clarity and sort of, and, and I guess reality check them a little bit to sort of to, to understand that that's kind of the way things are. And that's just the way, you know, that's just the truth of the matter. And there's not much that you can do about it as the person that's presenting the information to them. Yeah. And I like the the focus that you had there on just, this is the truth. What I'm trying to do is convey to you the reality of the yeah. situation. And what's great about it is that you're able to separate the reality of the situation and the fact that you're conveying it from you. And so what I mean by that is that they're not saying Ron is a jerk. They're saying, okay, right. I understand Ron's telling me this message. It is not Ron himself doing this to me out of spite. Exactly. You know, and so you exactly. can still maintain a, a strong sense of rapport while with while still delivering the message in a way that is clear and transparent. That's I yeah, you said that much better than I did. I appreciate that <laughs> that you um, if, if time allows, and if, if you're okay with it, I would like to also, this is a good segue into, I, I've put up a couple points of things that I think that I don't hear enough from my clients or from my potential clients that I would like to share. So sort of the other side of the negotiation, if you don't mind, Kwame, I can talk about those things yes, as well. Yes, please do. Points. Yeah, that'll be great. So especially in this kind of like last portion of, uh, of, a, of a discussion of sales negotiation within construction, there's a lot of times these things that I, I feel like would, would be helpful for a client to say that I don't necessarily hear enough from them. So I'm going to share a couple of those questions. Um, 
there's one question that a client once asked me that I thought was a really good question was they asked, is there anything I should be asking that I am not asking? <laughs> and I can't even tell you that that question got us to any place further in the conversation, but it just shifted my form of thinking a little bit, where instead of me being the one asking questions and expecting a response, all of a sudden I was forced to change the way I'm supposed to think or, or frame this conversation that we are having every single day and think, huh, that's a really good question. Um, and gave me a chance to sort of think a little bit outside of the box, which I think is always important. Um, anything to say about that one? I Bobby? love that question. I really, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really do because it, it forces empathy, really. Yeah. Sure, what, that's what sure, happens, sure. right? And um, I've I, I've resorted to that one. I shouldn't say resort. It shouldn't be a resort. I I honestly I should use it more often because it's a very powerful question. Yeah. Um, because I, I you know I I like asking a lot of questions, and sometimes I get to the point where I say, you know what? I prepared. I downloaded those free negotiation guides. So remember, listen. I almost forgot, Ron. I almost forgot to shout them out. Right. If you go to <laughs> AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com/slash/guide, you can get access to all of our free negotiation negotiation guides. And there's a, a link to that in the description below. And one of the things that you'll see in those guides is that there's a space to write in the questions that you want to ask. Sometimes the conversation is going really well. And I, I feel as though I've covered everything that I wanted to ask, but I still feel as though there's something else. And so I'll, I'll just ask that question. What should I be asking that I'm not asking? And it, I've gotten some really interesting responses too. It's a great yeah. way to keep the conversation going. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got two more on here that I'll share. The other one that is, uh, that this is kind of an interesting one just because of the way it's phrased. What costs are not included we will have to pay along the way? Now that's a different question than what isn't included in your quote. Because to me, it may be very, very obvious that the cost to permit your project with the city is not included in my, in my, in my scope, right? That money does not go to me, it goes to the city. But that's because I do this all day long, right? Where it's to somebody else that may not be, uh, not be as obvious. So that, the way that's phrased, what costs are not included, I will have to pay along the way is something that people, you know, I've been asked before, which made me realize that the question isn't, what aren't I including into my own bid, which sounds like something that I'm trying to do to be like manipulative or sneaky. The question is, what else are they going to have to pay for construction between today until the very last day of the project? So, you know, appliances may not be included because I don't sell appliances. Your kitchen cabinets may not be included. Your countertops may not be included. Your permitting fees may not be included. The civil engineer may not be included. And that gives a chance for you to kind of talk about these things right now, rather than talking about them six months into construction, where it becomes a fight and a blow up or, or an issue where right now you're managing expectations ahead of time and getting a chance to sort of discuss what those things are. I love that one. That's great. That's great. And managing expectations is one of the best things you can do in any relationship, business or personal. Yeah. So that's a fantastic yeah. part of it. And then the other thing too, is the way that they phrased it. They're not blaming you or making it seem right. as though you're doing something sneaky right. because if they phrase that the wrong way, it could invite a defensive response. Exactly. So the phrasing was really, really great. Yeah. Yeah. And lastly, the other thing, the last thing that I think is a really good question to ask, or, or I guess more of a general note, is to just really transparently try and express your concerns or hesitations to move forward. Um, I think it's also really important to, if you're talking to a general contractor and you're serious, like truly serious about moving forward with them, to let them know. 
because like we do this all day long. And like I said, 90% of the time we get no's, right? So um, it's very easy to fall into this pattern of like, oh, okay, like they're not gonna, you know, they're just wasting my time. They're not really serious. They're not gonna move forward. But really I perform my best and I sort of give the most, the most professionalism and the best customer service when I know somebody is actually interested, you know, when I actually feel like there's, there's potential there. And so if you are, regardless if you're interested or not, or, you know, you're serious or you think you're serious or you're not serious about this particular person to fully express your hesitations and your concerns. So like, if you don't want to move forward with somebody, tell them, tell them why it is that you're not interested in doing so. Because so many times I have found that like, you know, a client has once told me, you know, oh, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't want to move forward because I don't have the cash. And, you know, that opened up a conversation of, well, you're aware that construction financing exists, right? And they were just completely unaware that that was even a thing. So that, you know, I gave them, put them in touch, gave them resources. I've had another client, you know, all of a sudden tell me, well, you know, I'm hesitant to do that because, you know, we also have this other project that we want to do and we want to keep enough money for that uh, in the budget. And I asked them, okay, well, so what was, what's that project? What do you got, what do you want to do? Well, they, you know, we want to replace the tile in the foyer. Okay. Well, that's like, you know, a hundred square feet of tile. You know, it's, it's, you know, maybe going to cost me $2,000. I'll split it with you 50, 50. And they were like, so excited. It was like a fantasy for them that they couldn't believe that I was actually going to, you know, willing to do that. And that was just something that was able, just because we had a little bit more of a conversation and they were honest and transparent about what their concerns and hesitations about moving forward um, were, we were able to find some sort of solution to what that was together. So if you are hesitant, but you, you're, you do think that you want to move forward, just try and be honest with yourself and with your contractor about what it is and why it is that you are hesitant and you may find yourself very pleasantly surprised as to what, how simple those solutions might be. Yeah. Oh man, this is good because uh, again, sometimes people get intimidated or scared of the process and they feel almost obligated to hold some things close to the, to, to their vest. Right. I'm not going to share this information. Maybe it's embarrassing. Maybe right. my ego won't right. let me admit that right. I don't know. But I think one of the most important things that can help us to be more effective is humility and transparency. Because I mean, there are a lot of times when I, I hate to admit, hey, I'm not really quite sure. But the thing is, it, it leads to a greater level of trust. And it allows the other person to share information to to help you to make a better decision as well. So I think that that's a major thing, you know, do your research beforehand, have, go into the conversation and, and understand what it is that you can share and what you probably shouldn't share. You should be very clear on that before the conversation begins. But as long as it's in that realm of something that you can share just share it you know and I, I think there's nothing too um too damaging that could occur as long as you're sharing in the right way yeah absolutely absolutely that's that's 100 percent right you know people people can sort of find themselves embarrassed or they can sort of think things are like something is a stupid question or a silly question it, it so often is not or you know uh, even if it's simple it's probably something that we've heard a hundred times before so you know definitely share those things. You know, I, I can't even tell you how many times, um, you know, somebody, something that seemed probably very stressful to the person, you know, to the homeowner or the client, they ended up being like a, a really like a non-issue. And so just having that transparency and sharing what your concerns are, you know, may get you much further in the conversation than you would have thought. 
That's great. Well, this has been fantastic, Ron. I, I really appreciate you come appreciate you coming out here and uh, and sharing your knowledge. And so, but before you go, let the listeners know how they can get in touch with you. And again, tell them about your business out in Cali. Thank you. Yeah. First of all, I'd like to say it's I, it's an honor to be on the show. I've been listening to the show from uh, since since I started doing construction, which I thought had been like you know must have been right when you started, but I thought it had been years and years into this into your podcast. So. Thanks for letting me on and thanks for talking to me. Um, again, if you guys want to look us up, we are Baron Construction, B-A-R-O-N Construction. We have offices in California in the Barrier Silicon Valley area and in Los Angeles. Um, you can find us online, Baron Construction, B-A-R-O-N again. You can find me, Ron, at baroncnr.com. You can also find my personal Instagram on Ronnie Rock on Instagram. It's not construction related mostly, but you know, <laughs> give you some uh, good laughs and good smiles. Other than that, that's, uh, that's it for me. Fantastic. Ron, thank you again, my friend. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Kwame. It's been a pleasure. Congratulations. You've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.